Bienvenidos a la coctelería más internacional. Vamos a hacer hoy nuestra primera entrevista en este espacio, en este podcast de Casper, que ya sabéis que es el sitio donde queremos que os enteréis, os eh, informéis y también aprendáis sobre ventas. Entonces, siempre estamos buscando gente súper top para traer aquí al, al, al podcast, poder preguntarle, poder extraer un montón de información. Y nos ha costado un montón porque Richard es una persona, eh, ahora os la presento un poquito, pero es una persona... Mmm, súper eh, ocupada, está siempre haciendo viajes, haciendo conferencias, haciendo trabajos por medio planeta, siempre me dice, no, estoy en tal sitio, ahora no sé qué, a no sé cuántos. Entonces, nos ha costado mucho planificar esta, esta llamada, eh, porque para nosotros era importante que estuviera Richard en esta primera temporada. Eh, os voy a presentar Richard, dime si lo digo bien, eh, Richard Barrett Blom. Sí, ya está bien. Bueno, lo he hecho peor, o sea, peor no puede salir ya la entrevista. <risa> <risa> o sea, que de aquí ya quitamos toda, todo el mal rollo, ¿vale? Eh, Richard es uno pues, de las personas más influyentes eh, que hay en LinkedIn en el tema de ventas en redes sociales. De hecho, tiene una categoría que yo solamente se la he visto a él, que pone top eh, social selling top performance o algo así, es como una categoría que tiene LinkedIn sobre él. Tiene una comunidad, tiene una membresía, tiene una comunidad de gente que quiere desarrollar esa capacidad de las ventas dentro de LinkedIn, también da clases y formación a empresas, es decir, es un buen sales trainer. Eh, entonces, bueno, vamos a empezar con esta primera parte. Bienvenido, muchas gracias Richard por haber venido a este podcast. Gracias por invitarme, me alegro. Genial, eh, Richard está hablando en inglés, en español. Eh, vamos a hacer la entrevista, en, vamos a hacer algún experimento, eh, vamos a ver qué tal, a ver qué tal sale. So um, the the first question that I would I would you make is like um, how uh, you respond to the people who say that the the job sale the, the this kind of um, job around the sales is like a cheating cheating job. So how you can respond to the haters? A, a cheating job? I've ne I've never heard that sales uh, that people call sales a cheating job. Why would that? Why why would I say it's a cheating job? Like a tricky, like a, you know, the, the, the power of the sales is that you can um, change my mind and get the, the ah. you know, okay, un, yeah. Un, un poco manipulativo. Exactamente, eso es. Okay. Um, I think that comes from an era uh, about 10, 15 years ago. I started to, with my first sales jobs in 98. 1998, I started my first sales job and I needed to do a lot of cold calling, a lot of uh, uh, visiting companies without a, an appointment. And um, the only KPI I had was the, the, the amount of deal I closed. Okay, so if we guide and train our salespeople with the only KPI that they need to close deals, well, you need to make it work. So you need to be manipulative. You need to sell things even though you might know that your client does not get the best solution, but it's your mm. uh, results that count. It's not the interest of your client. And I think people who refer to sales as being manipulative, cheating, tricky, still refer to that time where I think it actually 10, 15 years ago, you could still see a lot of salespeople act like this. Um, fortunately, I think a lot of salespeople have changed because they have seen that their clients are not wanting to speak to them anymore. 
they do not respond anymore to cold calling. So now, um, and I think that's the, the foundation of social selling. So now we need to change our attitude and we need to like build trust and credibility. And maybe at the end of your sales pitch, come to the conclusion that your services are not the best fit for your client. That's what I'm actually been doing myself. If I have an intake with a client about LinkedIn training or about a LinkedIn strategy project, and I don't feel that I'm the best match, I feel that the client would be better off with another person. I, I, I'm very honest. I say like, I can help you, but I don't think I'm the best match. And so instead of taking the one deal, and not performing the best and maybe not bringing the best result to my client, I prefer to introduce my client to a better match because in the end, it's all about trust and credibility. Totally agree. Um, estoy totalmente de acuerdo. Creo que eh, es, era, una, una nueva, era una tendencia muy antigua, ¿no? Un poco el, el, el la performance y esos objetivos que teníamos hacia la venta donde te daba exactamente igual a la persona y lo único que te interesaba pues era tu bonus, era llegar a tus objetivos y espera que todo esto está cambiando. Ha dicho algo que no estoy de todo de acuerdo y me, me gustaría llegar por allí, que es esta parte de eh, el, el, las llamadas en frío han muerto. Es decir, es verdad y es una suerte, creo que, eh, por ejemplo, estemos más protegidos por las leyes de privacidad donde no te puedan freír, ¿vale? A nivel comercial. Es decir, un poco esa llamada de, hey, te voy a vender algo, eh, creo que no funciona. Pero sí que es verdad que funciona y para equipos de venta cuando hacemos una estrategia combinada de social selling, donde podemos ir calentando la oportunidad, podemos ir acercándola al prospecto y en un momento dado descolgar un teléfono y decir, hi, ¿cómo estás? Que ya sabes quién soy. Vamos a, vamos a empezar a hablar, ¿no? En esta parte de construir la credibilidad y construir también la confianza. Que al final has dicho una cosa para mí muy, que me gusta mucho, quiero resaltar, que es la capacidad que tenemos ahora los, los que vendemos de decir que no. Y cuando te despegas de la venta, cuando realmente estás con el concepto de ayudar y de transformar a la otra persona y sabes que no hay match, pues obviamente estoy totalmente de acuerdo, Richard. Creo que no hay otra manera ahora mismo de vender que no sea una venta consultiva, una venta de pensando más en la otra persona que en ti, ¿no? O sea, absolutamente de acuerdo. Y entiendo también un poco el prejuicio que hay, esta idea, esta idea un poco general de que somos al final vende aspiradoras, vende humos o vende cosas que la gente no necesita, ¿no? Yo creo que, por suerte, eh, ya hemos pasado un poco página. Eh, ¿qué, ¿Qué me podrías decir sobre las llamas en frío? ¿Qué es, ¿Cuál es un poco tu experiencia? Well, I'm, I'm a bit pre... Um, how do you say this? I have made a lot of cold calls in the start of my career. I needed to make, I, I, I don't remember. I think we needed to do like 20 cold calls a day. So that's 100 a week. Um, and I, I received a lot of training. And <clears throat> I, have been, I have been giving sales training since 2009, so almost 15 years. And I still meet a lot of salespeople who actually like to do cold calling because they're very good at it. Okay, so they, they say, like, give me a name and I will call and I maybe I don't get an appointment, but at least I get a conversation. So they have very good tactics. They do it in a very national way. I was not one of them. Okay, I was mm -hmm. I, I'm not a caller. I am at least not a cold caller. I agree with what you said, that if you can warm up a contact, for example, via LinkedIn, 
and you can warm up and say like, okay, uh, can I invite you to a Zoom call or a video call or a phone call? Um, that I really like because then I know the other person is waiting for my call. He's receptive. You know, he wants to have a conversation with me. Um, I, I don't think, maybe I said it wrong, uh, Jacob. I, I don't think cold calling is that because I meet on a, every week I meet salespeople at my clients who are very good in cold calling. Uh, they, they get a lot of appointments. Um, I think we need to understand, and this is important from a sales director role or a sales manager role. I, I think you need to understand that in, in a team, let's say we have uh, 10 people, 10 salespeople in your team. It's impossible to make them all cold calling champions. It's impossible to make them all LinkedIn Sales Navigator champions. Everybody has his own preferences based on mm. education, experience. And I think that companies with um, equipos de ventas, sales teams, they need to understand that it's not one size fits all. We need to have different approaches and we need to facilitate and guide them on the output, not on how we get to an appointment. Mm -hmm. Okay. A mí me da igual. I don't care how salespeople get their appointments. If we agree, we need to have 10 appointments at the end of the week. Uh, I've literally said to some people that work for me in my company, if you are on the beach a complete week with your laptop, and in the end of the week from the beach, you have created 10 appointments, who am I to say that you need to be in the office and need to call? I mean, that's a tool. Okay, so we need to, we need to I think, steer on output uh, and the channel cold calling, LinkedIn, sales navigator, email, for me, it doesn't matter as long as, as we have the quality appointments that we want. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, eh, totally agree. Uh, I mean, es, es lo que estábamos hablando antes. Eh, creo que es, es la única manera y creo que hay que formarse. Es una de las, de, de las conclusiones que yo saco de todas las llamadas. Es que los equipos, tanto un poco más veteranos que llevan un poco una venta más tradicional, tienen que actualizarse, tienen que hacer un update de, porque están perdiendo una oportunidad inmensa, enorme, de tener mejor, al fin, al final, mejores resultados y más importante, yo creo que la, la gente esté más motivada porque hay una parte de motivación en los equipos de ventas. Yo creo que no hemos tocado este tema todavía y es la frustración que genera en un equipo de ventas el que tú le des un único canal, una única vía que además es totalmente opuesto a lo mejor a su personalidad, ¿no? Entonces, quizás ese puede dar una performance brutal en otro canal, pero le estamos como, ¿sabes?, obligando, ¿no? Entonces, hay que formarse, hay que entender cuál es la, la, la nueva manera, ¿no?, la nueva oportunidad de poder hacer una venta, de poder llegar a tener, pues, reuniones de mucha calidad. Y creo que eh, personas como Richard están con este propósito de transformar un poco los equipos de venta y de entender esa nueva oportunidad, como también hacemos en el ojo atómico. Es decir, eh, es, oye, yo tengo este problema, quiero llegar a este punto, pues tengo, tengo un vehículo y este vehículo igual hay que actualizarlo, hay que pasar la ITV, hay que cambiar las ruedas, hay que igual hay que transformar el coche en una moto o en un patinete o en, no lo sé, ¿no? Hay que, hay que ver un poco esa parte de creatividad. Vale, pues eh, yo quería, eh, intentando indagar un poco en la parte tuya personal, que me, me interesa mucho, eh, ¿cómo fue tu primer contacto con las ventas? ¿Cuándo dijiste, oye, yo mm, soy vendedor? <laughs> That's actually a nice question, and I don't have a good answer, I'm afraid. Um, when I was in secondary school uh, in Holland, you're 16, 17, and then you need to choose which university or which school you're going to do. And 
I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I was going to be. And then uh, my two best friends, they went to study economics. So I just joined them because I thought like, okay, I can be with them in university for three years. I like them. We played football together. So I literally joined them. And then in the second year of my study, we need you need to make a choice, whether it's like business economics. And I, I choose commercial economics, which is like fantasy marketing. Uh, my first job, I worked at uh, ADECO, the personal staffing company, as a sales consultant. And I just like literally rolled into a sales career. So I never chose mm-hmm. uh, a sales career. On the other hand, people that know me, uh, estoy hablando de familia, amigos, they all know me like somebody who uh, likes to talk, likes to connect people. Um, I, I like to present things. So all these capabilities, competences, they, they, they help you if you want to sell things. No, if you are uh, empathic, if you can listen, if you can, um, present things. Um, and I think the biggest, the biggest eye opener for me was in 2009 when I started my own company, because, uh, I'm a person I need to be in control. So if I, if, if I make a sale, hmm. but I'm not responsible for the result of the sales, for the implementation or the service. Okay. My last sales job was in a training business in Holland, a big training company. Um, and I sold trainings and then other trainers were going to prevent, well, were going to provide the trainings. And what I really, really hate is that I have a good relationship with my client I make a sale and then another trainer, he fucks up with the client because he doesn't provide the solution. So, and that for me was something I, I couldn't deal with. I was like, no, I want to control the entire part. So I need to be trainer myself. Then I sell my own trainings. I'm responsible for the, for the quality. Um, so that's, that's actually one of the reasons why I started my own business in 2009. And I focus on salespeople. Okay. Salespeople, how, um, how can you get your first appointment with your clients? Okay. How do you position yourself? And I, I did it for one year. And then I realized there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of competitors. You know that Jacob, mm-hmm. no, on, on sales training, there are a lot of competitors. But in that moment, 2009, there were only in Holland, only one person who did LinkedIn training, sales LinkedIn training. So I thought like, this is a huge opportunity. So I jumped on the LinkedIn sales training back in 2010. And I was one of the only ones who did this in, in the Benelux, Holland, Belgium. Um, and that was for me, like, so, so to be an entrepreneur and to be able to do the sales process and the service myself, that for me was like the best match because um, that actually made my company grow. We are now with 15 people. We have international clients, but it's all because, you know, you, you know what you sell and every promise you can make true. And that's something that is very important when you, when you are in sales. You know? it's, it's not only about a sale, but it's also about the perception of your client after the sale, like mm-hmm. the service or the product that I bought. Is it, is it working? Is it, is it the same experience that you promised me? So, so it's, this is more or less how I started my sales career. So it was a, a study I chose because of my friends. My first job was accidentally a sales job. And then, you know, I, I, evolved and I, I, I got more experience with sales until the point in 2009 that I thought like I need to be my own mm. boss, entrepreneur and do my own thing. 
amazing story, <laughs> really. And, and I, I'm curious, estoy curioso por entender eh, cómo fue cuando empezaste con tu propio negocio, cuando desarrollaste este, diciendo, oye, no puedo no tener el control, quiero tener, digamos, controlar todo el flujo, saber que el delivery de mi producto está afín a la venta. Toda esta parte que estabas contando, lo que me interesa es, es cuando empezaste el, el proyecto, cómo empezaste a hacer las ventas. ¿Cuál fue tu elección de canal, de speech? ¿Cómo, fue, cómo fuiste un poco desarrollando eh, dentro de tu propia compañía? Que ya es diferente cuando empiezas a tomar tus propias decisiones de cómo quieres hacer el approach, a quién quieres empezar a tocar, quién es tu buyer persona. O sea, toda esa parte estratégica eh, me encantaría conocerla. Sí, entiendo tu pregunta. Y, de I, I didn't have a strategy. It, it's true. Now mm -hmm. I have a strategy. Mm -hmm. But when I started, I didn't have a strategy. The only thing, I had a very strong intuition um, of my, my last job before becoming an entrepreneur, I told you, was with a training agency. And there were 80 trainers. And I saw how they struggled in getting their own leads. I mm -hmm. saw how they struggled with the intakes. Um, And also uh, the two other jobs I had, I always, and this is, this is a strong perception that I have. If you look at all the salespeople, Jacob, I think, and especially entrepreneurs, I think there's only a small percentage that hmm. really likes the first part of the sales journey, the, like the, the opening doors, the positioning yourself, the getting the first appointment. I think there are very few people who really like that part because I think the majority of salespeople They like the process once they have their first meeting because now we can talk about the business. Now I can ask you questions. Now I can respond. And now we are, now you trust me, okay? But yeah. to gain that first part and to go from a list of 100 potential clients and, and call them, email them, until a lot of people don't like that process or they're not good at it or they feel that they are interrupting people. So what I did when I started, I started with a website. Um, my target audience were salespeople and entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, I literally rented uh, uh, meeting rooms in six hotels in Holland. Now, Holland is not, a, mm. it's not as big as Spain, okay? Holland is like uh, del sur a norte, 250 kilometers, de este a oeste, 200 kilometers, ¿vale? Uh, it's like Andalusia. So I had six major cities, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Utrecht, mm -hmm. Eindhoven, uh, where I just had every two weeks, I had a training. I booked a training, a meeting room for three hours, and I started to position myself as um, LinkedIn sales training, how to get your first client meeting using LinkedIn. Uh, and this was 2010, so there was no sales navigator. There was, it was very like limited back then, but um, it got massive response because more and more people in Holland The biggest growth in Holland of LinkedIn was 2010, 2011, 2012. Spain was two years later, but Holland was like early adopter. So in this time, a lot of entrepreneur salespeople were like already on LinkedIn, but had no clue what to do. So I did that. And from these trainings, we had, for example, salespeople from big companies coming to this like open enrollment, open training. So they registered themselves. Mm -hmm. But they went back to the company and they said like, hey, I just had an amazing training from Richard and this is like really eye-opening and I think we as a sales team need to do this. So I did this for like six months, something like that. And then I, I got calls from companies saying like, hey, what you do there in the hotel, in the meeting room, can you do this? 
in company you know, with us. Um, and this is 2011, 2012, when we transformed from open trainings, hiring meeting rooms to like in-company trainings. Um, so, so basically our channels back then were uh, a website, uh, uh, obviously our LinkedIn uh, channels, and we had a person <clears throat> uh, doing um, um, cold calling via, via, via phone. So, so just mm -hmm. he was mm -hmm. with a script calling potential clients yeah. like, hey, we have a training. We still have some room. Um, I didn't do that myself, but we hired someone to do that. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Eh, pienso que, que, que estuviste en... Lo, la clave de todo el proceso es que saliste de tu zona, hiciste algo que nadie estaba haciendo, eh, saliste al mundo físico, hiciste eventos físicos, tuviste visibilidad y luego la gente que quiso exportar ¿no? esa idea y meterla... Eh, cuando tú haces cosas, pasan cosas. Si esperamos a que pasen cosas, no pasa nada, ¿no? No, I, I agree, I agree. And, and one of the other tactics I did, I invested a lot of time in free speeches. So mm -hmm. there, was, there was an event, Chamber of Commerce. You know, you had that in Spain, no? Chamber of Commerce, where all new entrepreneurs, they, and they gave like meetings and, and, and conferences, and they asked me to speak for, for, for zero, zero euro. But there were 400 people in the room looking for business. Mm. So I did my charla, media hora. And after that, I had 20 people signing up for my training. So, but I invested a lot of, a lot of time in the first two years in speaking on events and, and meetings where my clients were present mm. just to make myself mm. like known. And then people thought, Hey, in a half an hour, this guy has given me so much insights that imagine if I can book a training with him, then it will be even oh. more. And, and this was literally the first two years. Wow. Eh, fíjate que cuánta, cuántas, y a mí me ha pasado de rechazar, ¿no? Algún tipo de, oye, vente a un evento y tal, no, mira, y ves un poco la audiencia, y dices, no, bueno, es un canal pequeñito, no te... y el, el tip es que da igual lo grande que sea, hay, si realmente está tu cliente ahí y está necesitado de escuchar lo que tú le vas a decir, si hay 10 personas y tú tienes 10 clientes, seguramente tú mueras mañana, es decir, que tener 10 clientes es más que suficiente, a veces pensamos en, en cosas como muy locas, pero hacer un buen trabajo en pequeñito, te seguro, vamos, eh, yeah. también mi experiencia, he estado en, en LinkedIn en algunos eventos de este tipo. Me gusta, me gusta mucho esto. Eh, ¿Hay algún tip, algún consejo, algo que tú puedas eh, compartir de toda tu experiencia, digamos, de todos tus aprendizajes? Eh, parte de nuestra audiencia es, es, eh, es tu audiencia, en el sentido de es tu, son directores de ventas, son jefes de ventas, eh, SDRs, a con manager, gente muy metida en el mundo del corporate, ¿qué podríamos decirle? ¿Qué, ¿Qué podrías compartir con ellos que puedas aportarle alguna solución, alguna estrategia que puedan implementar de una manera sencilla? Es decir, oye, en vez de cambiar todo tu proceso de ventas, que sabemos que es algo muy complicado, eh, haz esto, testea, míralo, ¿tienes algún tipo de, no sé, algo que puedas compartir con nosotros? Yeah. Uh, well, I have a lot of things that I that I can share, but I, I, I want to share two things. First thing is not a, a strategy, it's an attitude. I think one of the most important things as un profesional de ventas uh, is being authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and being authentic means in the way how you act, in the way how you write, in the way how you speak to clients. Um, so, so... Just to give you an example, I I never wear a suit. I never wear a traje. I have I have I have worn them for 10 years. It's not me. It's not Richard. 
So even if I'm on a big event on stage as a keynote speaker, I will not wear drache. I will wear jeans. I will wear a nice jacket. But so my because I think being authentic is part of your brand, and I think that each salesperson yeah. should be aware of the own own brand you have. And I'm talking about a physical brand. When you enter the building of your client, the way how you dress, the way how you walk, the way how you meet the receptionist, all these things are your brand, okay? And it needs to be authentic. Don't do things because you know your client will like them if it's not you, because then you're playing a role. Yeah. And what I have learned from playing a role if your client wants to work with you based on that role, it's not you, it's a role. You need to play the role like for, for months, okay? Um, so, so be authentic because if people want you because of the message, because of the way how you speak, because of the, the, the way you advise them, there is, a, mm-hmm. there is a genuine match. So that's the first thing. When it comes to the sales process, what I learned... And this is a multi-channel approach. You know, my, my preferred channel is LinkedIn. And, and, and I, I also obviously do video calls or phone calls or email. But what I've learned, and I, I, I read this, it was a study by Gartner, uh, is that if a client, um, I'm talking about, you have a list of clients or potential clients, you have never spoken to them, they don't know you, and you want to get your first meeting. So what I learned and what works for me and for a lot of our clients. If you get three responses in total that are neutral or positive, that's yeah. the best moment to convert. So I'm, okay. I'm, giving you, I'm, I'm giving you an example. So I have identified the sales director of a big company in the UK. Okay, I found his profile on LinkedIn and I go like, okay, I, I, I want to have a chat with this guy because I think we can help him and his sales team to, to, to make better sales. So my first thing I do is like uh, after some engagement on his profile, I send him a connection request. Okay. So if the person Mm -hmm. accepts, that's the first positive or neutral response because somebody accepts your invite. Next thing I do, I don't convert. I don't try to convert after connecting. I don't try to convert in my first phone call because first we need to establish uh, trust and credibility. So after somebody connected, my message normally is like, hey, Jacob, thank you for accepting my connection request. I've recently finished a blog on the future of social selling. Uh, I get a lot of positive feedback from my network. Do you want me to send it to you? So I'm offering you something. Now, for example, we are organizing a webinar. So now I could also say, hey, Jacob, thanks for accepting. I was wondering at the end of November, we have a webinar. It's about a future of sales. It's only for sales uh, uh, executives. Do you want me to invite you? So I'm giving something to establish mm. my authority and to share my expertise. If somebody responds and says, please, yes, send me the invite, or yes, please send me the article, that's the second time they respond. Now, if somebody, and that's also, by the way, a trick uh, or a tactic, I never send anything, not by email, not by LinkedIn, if they haven't given me permission. So I will never send you an article and say, hey, Jacob, thanks for connecting. Here is my last article because basically you haven't asked for it. So I ask the question, do you want me to send it to you? Two things can happen. Okay. You don't respond. It's not, it's, 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 
it's all right because we're still connected. Okay, so maybe this is not the best time to convert. You don't respond, yeah, or yeah, yeah. you yeah. respond and you say yes, I'm interested in the webinar invite. I'm interested in the article. So that's the second time after the connection request that you respond, and then I will send you the article. And then a week later, I will send you a message or I will send you an email and say like, hey, Jacob, last week I sent you the article about the future of sales. What are your thoughts? I'm curious about your feedback. Now, if you come back to me and say, ah, oh, yeah, I read it. I found this interesting. That's three times. And then I normally say like, okay, would this be a great moment to have a 15-minute introduction call? Because I have possibly I have more insights that are relevant for you. So the key is... If you get three neutral or positive responses, and this could also be in your email, or then it's the best time to convert to a first meeting. And again, based on stats, I always ask for 15 minutes. I never ask for an hour or 45 minutes because that's a huge, like, yeah. time is our most precious asset. Yeah, so a lot yeah, of people yeah. will say an hour, no, I don't have time. But if they see 15 minutes, they will give you the 15 minutes. And we all know. If you say the right thing in the 50 minutes, you get more or you make a second appointment. So, mm. so I think that's, well, that's actually two advices, but that's what I want to share with the audience. Ah, I, li I like, me gusta, me gusta. Eh, creo que ahí ha compartido Richard un, un gran know-how que él tiene y que creo que es totalmente estoy de acuerdo. Además, eh, un consejo, una red flag, eh, por favor, nunca, <ríe> nunca mandéis nada que nadie os ha pedido permiso, nadie os ha dicho que le interesa. Primero, porque tenemos que validar la intención de la otra persona, porque igual no está interesada. Igual lo ha leído, pero no sabemos que quería leerlo. Con lo cual, no sabemos el siguiente mensaje, porque no tenemos, digamos, ese, esa cadena de secuencias de mensajes. Al final, todo se trata de eso. Yo creo que es eh, tratar de eh, conectar y de generar confianza a, a, a través del tiempo. ¿no? Y LinkedIn, para eso, es un canal maravilloso. Nosotros en la malcriada hacemos también estrategias, implementamos con clientes, eh, estrategias muy de largo plazo, muy de seis meses, doce meses. La gente que tenga yeah. prisa que no, no, que no lo haga, directamente no, no le va a funcionar. Pero si construyes tu credibilidad, construyes tu marca, ese algo que decías que me ha gustado, que es el valor percibido de nuestra marca personal cuando hablamos, cuando somos, cuando nos reímos. Yo me he reído al principio de mí mismo en la primera en la parte de la entrevista. ¿Por qué? Porque me da igual. Porque yo soy así. Yo, de hecho, parte de mi, conect, de mi conexión, yo uso el humor por ejemplo. Es un, para mí un, un, es una manera de, de explicar quién soy. Porque yo soy claro. una persona que estoy todo haciendo bromas. Entonces, mi mensaje de conexión muchas veces va hacia ese lado, ¿no? De, oye, todo el mundo se espera un mensaje o de valor o de autoridad o no sé qué, o, o comercial y yo lo que te hago es una broma. Y, y me, me gusta porque quizás no, no le gusta a todo el mundo, pero es que es, es quién soy yo. Entonces, yo quiero conectar, que, que la gente conecte con mi parte personal, con la parte de, de quién soy. Y cuanto más somos auténticos y nos transmitimos en, en las redes sociales y creamos contenido y nos expresamos y también andamos y nos relacionamos en una cena, somos más libres, eh, conectamos más, porque la gente lo que quiere es no alguien que está haciendo un roleplay de cómo debería ser yo en un escenario, como decías tú antes, Richard. Me, me apunto, me gusta esto de, de no tener que llevar una chaqueta en un escenario, ¿no? de poder ser nosotros mismos, de poder... Joder, me encanta, porque hay tanta impostura, hay tanto... Eh, como ideas sociales, porque al final son creencias que tenemos de cómo deberíamos de ser en ciertos sitios. ¿no? Eh, nosotros, Mar y yo, en, en, la, en la agencia, 
con los clientes nos reímos mucho, hacemos mucho sí. el idiota, pero porque somos idiotas, <risa> o sea, porque nos gusta mucho el humor, porque nos gusta mucho ser diferente, ser como nosotros somos, ¿no? Sí. Y eso al final se nota, se transmite y la parte final es que conviertes más, eh, generas más interés, quizás no de todo el mundo, pero es que yo no quiero a todo el mundo, si es que todo el mundo es, es, es imposible, yo quiero a, pues a quien le caigo bien y ya está, chimpún. Eh, creo que ha habido muchos, muchos eh, aprendizajes que nos ha pasado Richard. Creo que podemos aprender mucho de esta entrevista. Muchas gracias, Richard, por tu tiempo. Efectivamente, el tiempo es lo más valioso que tenemos. Sé que eh, es complicado para, para ti, pero te agradecemos desde Casper este, pues estas puertas abiertas que nos has explicado desde cómo arrancaste tu negocio, cómo aprendiste las ventas, cómo has desarrollado todo tu negocio. Al final te hemos conocido un poquito más. Seguro que la gente también conecta contigo. Eh, gente de habla inglesa podéis eh, conectar con Richard comprarle todo lo que podáis es un fuera de serie, yo os lo recomiendo eh, aprendo mucho con él, de hecho hago mucho contenido eh, inspirado por él siempre le menciono y para mí es uno de mis referentes así que un placer para mí personalmente eh, tenerte por aquí, también para mi audiencia y muchas gracias por venir Richard Muchas gracias por invitarme y era, era mi placer también Genial Richard, pues pues nada, eh, muchas gracias a vosotros por escuchar este podcast. Espero que hayáis aprendido algo, aunque sea de, de todo lo que hemos estado contando, os podáis quedar con algo, que podáis eh, poner en marcha alguna estrategia de las que se han hablado hoy aquí y nos vemos en el siguiente capítulo.